We want to give a shout out to our happy hour sponsor, Stability Healthcare. If you're a travel nurse and you haven't discovered them yet, take note. They're a staffing agency that makes finding your next placement quick, simple, and painless. With transparent pricing and comprehensive online resources, they set you up with everything you need to thrive in your career. We're talking travel nursing with trust. Check them out on Instagram at Stability Healthcare or at www.stabilityhealthcare.com. Welcome back to Happy Hour with Operation Happy Nurse. This week, I am starting out our Mental Health Matters bonus episodes with a very special guest, Sam Recker. She is a registered nurse, athlete, and mental health advocate. So thank you, Sam, for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So since this is based on mental health, especially in healthcare world, how are you doing right now? We're just getting down to the nitty gritty. You can say whatever <laughs> you want, as personal as you want to be, but how no, are you really? Transparency is good. So um, right now I'm actually doing very well. <laughs> I don't know if that's always been my answer, but um, coming off of a really good couple weeks of um, working after doing the Boston Marathon, um, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, yes. but um, yeah, I'm kind of riding a high right now. So feeling really positive about the nursing world and healthcare in general, um, for the time being, I know, um, we're coming into maybe another little wave of COVID. So that's always hard, but trying to find the positives in everything right now. Yay. I love that. So what kind of nurse are you and, uh, was nursing something that you always wanted to do? Um, I'm currently a clinic nurse. I work in an ENT clinic at Penn Medicine in Philadelphia, um, specifically the N of ENT. So I do noses and sinuses and skull-based things. Um, I definitely did not go into nursing school thinking I would do that. And um, no, I did not. I don't think I always wanted to be a nurse. I knew I always wanted to be in healthcare. Um, I think when you're little, you don't really realize that, you know, there's so much more to healthcare than just being a doctor. Um, so I always dreamed of being in healthcare in some capacity. I think I said I wanted to be a doctor or a veterinarian at one point, but um, found my way into nursing and and I don't regret it. Yeah, I know. I think back of when I was younger and all I remember is I was obsessed with dolphins in the ocean and I wanted to be a marine biologist. Like I had a Barbie doll that, that she just was, I think it was Teresa actually. And she was the swimmer diver Barbie. And I was like, I want to be her, but I want to study marine animals. And then that never happened. And now I live in California and I'm terrified of the ocean. So I don't, you know, <laughs> it all happens for a reason. Yeah. I used to have like a big obsession with reptile amphibians. So I can, I can relate I had like every little salamander figurine on the planet. Um, and now I am terrified of like the cockroaches in Philly. So yeah, I get mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Do your cockroaches fly? Because I oh. learned that. And, um, when I went to Hawaii, apparently uh, that's a thing, which is terrifying. I think they do. Hopefully not. <laughs> they better not. <laughs> I don't know how you work with so you said you do like nose things see I I am a medical surgical nurse so you know whole brand of all kinds of things with that but I have a thing my only nursing thing that I cannot stand is like respiratory stuff and all like snot and saliva Mm. so that's all I thought about when you said that is putting in like NG tubes and stuff that we do like 
Oh, I hate it for their sake because it looks like I'm torturing them, but just I don't know how you yeah. do it, so. Yeah, well, I don't know how you do med surge. I cannot imagine that. So to each their own for sure. Um, so you get used to it, I'll say. My first day I was like, whoa, that is a lot of snot and blood in the sinuses. Um, <laughs> what kind of procedures do you do? So we do... Um, like every patient gets a nasal endoscopy, like a rigid scope. Um, and I'm not in their OR, but so I see a lot of patients like post-op. So we're doing a lot of debridements, um, taking out like their packing and stents. Um, a lot of like really cool, rare cases. Like, um, I mean, it is wild what medicine does these days. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a about half of our practice is, um, you know, patients who have sinus or even like brain skull based tumors and they tumors and they take them out endoscopically through the nose. So that is really cool. Um, yeah. So they work with neurosurgery and do, um, different procedures. So obviously in the OR, but, um, so yeah, I work in the clinic where then I'll, I'll see them pre-op and post-op and then, you know, the happy visits for yearly follow-ups, just making sure their tumors aren't coming back. So, um, really, really cool. That is really cool. Is that something that you, did you always see yourself doing ENT or did no. you want to go into like something specifically? I know a lot of people, I mean, I think as a woman too, I was like, oh, labor and delivery, postpartum babies, that'll be so much fun. And now it's like, we're trauma orthopedics and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, no, to be completely, uh, transparent, I, applied for outpatient only jobs because I was still training running pretty seriously. So um, I was really terrified of night shift and what being like an elite level runner would be like and being a zombie. Um, (laughs) So I, um, I had done one of my clinical and nursing school at the same building that I currently work in. Um, It's like an outpatient specialty building. And um, I really liked it because the acuity is still relatively high and it's at Penn medicine, which is a wonderful facility. So we see like very rare cases. Um, so I didn't feel like I was really gonna, I feel like, you know, there's kind of this myth that you like quote, like lose your skills if you go to outpatient, which I think in some regard, you know, I'm not inserting IVs all day or putting in Foley. So yeah, it's true to some degree, but, um, it's so specialized and yeah. So I applied to this, uh, couldn't even pronounce it, otorhinolaryngology position. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Not what that meant. <laughs> Got the interview, was literally walking there like over and over in my head being like otorhinolaryngology, like trying to just like <laughs> say it correctly. Um, and then so the way my department works is I work for two surgeons specifically um, and I'm their clinic nurse. So interviewed with both of them, loved the vibe I got from both of them. Um and accepted the job, had no idea what that would entail. And here I am helping them pick out burgers every day. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yummy! So good. <laughs> so how does that, how did that work, I guess, during the pandemic? Did you have not as much surgeries? Because I know a lot of our elective surgeries obviously got cut back because just for safety and health reasons. How did that work for you? Yeah, um, pretty much all of our surgeries got canceled for Oh, at least a month. It was like end of March to, I don't think we really got like back to like quote normal again until like June of 2020. Um, and it's crazy what's considered elective. Like, um, all of our surgeries are elective unless they were like emergent coming through the ER. Um, so to me, you know, uh, 
squamous cell carcinoma, massive brain tumor is not elective, but that was elective. So um, yeah, like everything got canceled or pushed back. Um, I think that was like the hard, frustrating part for patients. And, you know, um, still now we're still kind of in a backlog, I think. Um, But um, yeah, and then, you know, a lot of people were able to go to telemedicine, which is wonderful in so many ways. Um, I think that, you know, provided access to so many people that didn't necessarily have it or saved a lot of driving or, you know, for older folks, it it was really good. But for ENT, um, especially us, like there's no at-home endoscopes. So (laughs) medicine does not really work um, in our practice. So we tried for a little bit, but it's fine if, you know, you're coming back with an MRI scan or something, but we really need to be like looking and doing a procedure. So um, yeah, it was tricky. It was a lot of adapting, but yeah, we all got through it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm like, oh, I hope we're not on another rise. I, <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's like every time now, um, which I know we're going to mental health anyways, but I get this like anxious feeling. I'm like, yeah, oh, not again, because we finally just got back to quote unquote normal of having our surgeries and, you know, getting our trauma patients and just having the same routine that I'm used to seeing the same type of patients. And not it's not necessary that like necessarily for me that COVID patients were harder because I'm med surge, so we didn't get the really high acuity patients. Um, they went to ICU obviously in other places, but it's more just we were floating all over the hospital trying to fill spots, like helping hands in ICU in places that I just wasn't used to. And I'm a very I like my routine. I'm type A. I love my floor, my people, my doctors, you know. And so obviously you have to do what you have to do, but it's just every time they say, oh, this is coming out. I'm like, okay, let's take a deep breath. We've been here before. (laughs) Yeah. I think some of the things that people don't even think about are the, like, you know, the floating or, um, I know with our clinic, um, the staff shortages are just crazy. And it's not, I mean, we talk about like nurse staff shortages a lot and like patient ratios, but it was everybody. Like we had days where we didn't have environmental services there to take out the trash and then um or like all of our checkout people were out one day and then it's like okay so now patients can't make their appointments now the secretaries are overwhelmed and now people who are sick who are trying to call to get in touch with the nurses can't because the secretaries are booking appointments you know it just it's a huge ripple effect and like that is what I agree like I get like the like oh my god it's gonna be like bad for a couple weeks. Um, But now I think at least we've got, we've adapted, we've gotten, um, I'm sure you can relate. It's, it's not fun, but we know how we know we can handle it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We just don't know what we have to handle. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. Kind of going back to mental health wise, where does your mental health journey begin? And was that something that you are always cognizant of or did you just kind of think about that more because of the pandemic and everything we've been through in the healthcare world? Yeah. Um, I think it's always been something that I've been aware of. Um, I've had, you know, my own mental health journey starting back in college, even maybe even before that. But I think I started really like realizing that I could benefit from mental health resources when I was in college. Um, running, uh, I've always been a competitive runner. Um, endurance sports in general, I think are, um, they're tricky because it's really easy to compare yourself to a prior self or maybe a better self or your teammates. So they're, you're always playing like a compare game. Um, 
And there's like a huge mental aspect to running and endurance sports in general. So um, I sought some mental health help in college and um, it was very beneficial to me. So I've always kind of been an advocate and a proponent of people seeking help when they think they may need it. Um, And then, yeah, so more recently with the pandemic, I've had a lot of friends and coworkers um, who really struggled with the trauma of the, of the pandemic and the, the pressure that, you know, they endured and just what they saw. I mean, we as nurses or healthcare workers, we knew going into this job that it was going to be rough, but nobody prepared us for this specifically. And um, yeah, so I think being in a place where I've been in a tough place before and now understanding that, you know, getting help is very useful. (laughs) Um, Just trying to advocate for that specifically, um, especially with my friends who were, you know, struggling during, during the pandemic specifically. And that's kind of where I understood more that there really aren't resources out there for healthcare workers um, who have endured this trauma the last couple of years. And that's kind of where this whole mission started. Yeah, definitely. That's what, I mean, that's why Shannon started Operation Happy Nurse in the first place was to make, you know, give nurses a voice and different healthcare workers and a respiratory therapist, pharmacist, whatever, anybody that has to go through everything we went through. And just for the world to see, because it's just, like you said, it's actually, I'm very glad that you had the ability and the resources in college, because that's where my, I kind of started going downhill a little bit, but I didn't really talk about it. Like I was in a sorority and I was very in just that mindset of comparing myself to everybody and everybody's body and all that girl stuff you go through. And yeah. I mean, men do too, but it's just, it. I didn't have the support back home, like with family and stuff about that. Um, it was not something really talked about mental health wise. And so now that we have more of a platform and more people are speaking out, not only in healthcare, but obviously in other formats as well. I think that's, I'm hoping we're in this good swing of, you know, more people are going to therapy and talking about it. And I started therapy myself, even though I feel like I was you know, 15 years late, like I'll be 29 this year. And I'm like, I probably just started this back like 10 years ago, honestly, because yeah. it's been so helpful. But it, yeah, it's definitely been It's really challenging to start and a lot of people don't know where to start or how to start. And I mean, even I restarted recently and that, um, that's hard. It's hard to like find even a therapist that you feel like you mesh with and you're nervous for that. It's like a first date almost like you are really nervous for that first initial interaction. And then if you don't like them, is, is it like awkward to find another one or do you tough it out and it's expensive. So it's like, yeah. you want it to work out. Um, but yeah, no, on the note of, um, you know, kind of hoping that more people are speaking out and advocating for mental health. I was recently around, um, actually it wasn't that recently over the summer I, um, worked at a running camp. Um, and it's like high school, boys and girls. Um, I went there as a high schooler and then I worked there through college and went back this year kind of as a guest speaker. And, um, I hadn't been there in a while. And so I hadn't been around like teenagers in a while and, um, which was hilarious. Teenagers are funny today, but it was a, it was a wonderful group of girls, high school girls, like one team, they were all in the same cabin and they were so kind to each other and so supportive. 
And they were all like bragging about being in therapy. Like it was the cool thing to be in therapy. And it was like, I was standing there like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Like one girl didn't have a therapist and they weren't making fun of her by any means, but they're like, oh my gosh, you have to get one. And I, or like, (laughs) they would always just be like, my therapist said, and like, it was so open and just, it was so beautiful. And I was like, these girls, like, this is amazing. I want to like meet all of their parents and thank them. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. My sister is more in the Gen Z. She's like 21. So she, she went to therapy. She told me I could say this, but, um, so (laughs) she, their generation it's I feel like you just said like they're starting to talk about things more and I'm glad because I actually had a really good conversation with someone in the break room yesterday who has a young daughter and she said she's struggling she's 12 years old maybe and it's hard for her because there's so much comparison and social media there's so much access to everything that everyone's just a click away and I even had a talk with myself a couple years ago I was watching you know all I follow was Victoria's Secret models and they're gorgeous girls but it was just something that I'm never gonna be yeah so I just kept sitting there staring at these women and looking through like huh maybe if I do this more if I like eat this better and then I just I was like this isn't healthy like you're not that's not you you're not an Amazon a beautiful long-legged Amazon <laughs> you're yeah. five five Carly <laughs> like, just I mean, trying I to can't imagine Instagram in middle school. Like, I'm so thankful that I did not. <laughs> it would have been so terrible for my mental health. <laughs> I know. I know. That's exactly with my little sister. That's what she, her issues were as well. It's just there's so much cyber stuff out there and the keyboard warriors, as everyone calls them. And it's just there's so much criticism yeah. on social media that it's just toxic. So I told myself too, I need to stop being on Instagram as much if it's, you know, obviously for social media and operation happiness stuff, that's all good. But if I have to my own page, because I found myself not only comparing, but trying to be that person that, Oh, look, I have like beautiful pictures and they're all edited. And I'm just like, I just want to, I just want to be myself. You know? I know. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> so how did you get into running? Cause I do want to talk about your Boston marathon achievement, but how did you start getting into running? And when did you like decide that that was something that was really beneficial for you and your mental health? Yeah, so I got into running in seventh grade. Um, well, I guess before that, I kind of always did like kids fun runs and stuff. Um, but um, my parents both ran, so I not competitively just would always do like we were like that 5k family on Thanksgiving and stuff. <laughs> so um, I got into running at a pretty young age. I grew up in New York, you're allowed to compete um, like on a varsity team if you're good enough in seventh grade. So I started running pretty young. Um, upstate New York is super competitive for running. So kind of got thrown like right into the best of the best. Um, really I got into it because I was so bad at other sports. Like I think I was on, on the way to like a field hockey meeting in sixth grade. And one of my neighbors was like, come to the cross country meeting. And I was like, "Mm, okay. She's like, we have candy. I was like, all right. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, found success in high school running, um, which was awesome. Um, but I, I think it is important to know, you know, um, running is definitely a sport where mental health can be challenging at times. There's a lot of eating disorders and running a lot of comparison. Um, it's, it's a direct comparison sport. You're either, you know, 
the fastest person on the team or you're not. Um, so navigating that as a young girl is, is really challenging. A lot has to do with the coach and your parents and the support that you have. Um, I was fortunate that my parents have always been very, very supportive of my running and not to say it did not come with challenges. Um, and even to this day, like I'm still at times need to be like, whoa, you're getting a little obsessive with this back off. Um, so running is a beautiful thing. Competitive running is a different beast. Um, I can't imagine. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm so thankful that I got into running. It's it's really just a wonderful community. Even um, as I've gotten older, I've moved to a lot of different cities. And the one thing that's in common of all of those cities is I've found a local run club and I've made like my best friends in those cities and the club. So no matter where I've been, I've always been able to like reach out to runners and find new friends, um, which is really amazing. Um, it's like going to college and kind of like automatically having a group of friends. Like you don't know anybody, but like, Oh, these people. Um, so it's like a very small, like incestuous group of people throughout the country that all like someone always knows someone, um, which is just really lovely. But yeah, running um, in general has just been, especially through the pandemic, has been a constant. It's um, it's just a different world. I can leave the hospital. I can leave nursing and kind of be like, OK, I have something else to focus on for the next couple hours or um, it's nice to have like goals in mind, especially when it comes to like races And this can be applied for everyone, like not just competitive runners. Like if you just pick a 5k on the calendar, or even just if you don't run or walk and want to start running three days a week, like you can always like make a little goal and then improve upon that goal if you're consistent with it. And, um, it's pretty simple, quote unquote, to get better at running or walking or just like moving in general when you set your mind to it. Um, because really all you need to do is be consistent with it. And you see such amazing improvement with consistency, which is something I love so much about the sport. It's kind of just the cliche, like the hard work pays off. It really does with running and walking and I guess moving. Yeah. <laughs> I need to um, be better at that. I did run a 5k once. I don't want to brag. Okay. I did run the whole thing. <laughs> there you I literally, girl, I literally got to the end and it was a turkey trot and it was in Indiana where I'm from and it was maybe like 40 degrees. So cold for me now that I'm in California. So I was like, I just want to have a little granola bar because I don't want to eat something big and have cramps and whatever else. And so I got to the end and I do not know, this is like probably TMI. I don't know what happened, but I was dry heaving. Like, oh yeah, I was like, I could not stop. And I was in public because it was like something for the university. And so they had like cameras out. I'm like, why is this happening? That's good. That means you pushed yourself as hard as you possibly could. Oh, okay. We'll see. I was like 10 out of 10, not doing this again, but I do. <laughs> I, I do understand though that probably not as well as you, but the runner's high of just feeling it's a good way to escape. I, I do love yeah. that running is even just yeah. like, I like to do intervals, like walk, run, walk, run. Totally. But, uh, and my friend was doing that like couch to 5k type thing. And that was actually kind of cool too, because it tells you when to run and stop, but it's just my, I my endurance is not the best. I'm working on it. I'm more like lifting and stuff like that. Like I do Pilates and stuff. So that's kind of my go-to, but all power to you. <laughs> well, thank and I, you. <laughs> and I do want to talk about your just giant accomplishment you just had. So you just ran the Boston Marathon. 
And then, I mean, I kind of want you to talk about it, but you just like broke a Guinness World Record. Please tell me about why you did this. And I know you did it in Scrubs as well, which is huge. And just please go off about it because I want to hear you talk about it. Yeah. So um, (laughs) kind of tying back to what we were talking about earlier with just the lack of mental health resources that were available to healthcare workers who endured a lot of trauma during the pandemic. Um, I have one friend in particular, she's a physician assistant, um, in New York city. She always only worked in children's hospitals. She worked in a, during when COVID hit, she was in a well baby unit, um, and like a general peds floor at a children's hospital. And it got completely converted to, um, adult COVID ICU to accommodate the like New York city overflow. So she's a provider, never worked with adults in her life, never worked with that high of acuity in her life, um, thrown right into the fire. And she did it for about a year and then um, ended up leaving. And she's a professor now at a physician assistant um, university. But um, she suffered immensely, a lot of PTSD, a lot of anxiety, depression, as I'm sure everyone can imagine. Um, And I'm sure so many people went through Um, and really, really was struggling earlier this winter, fall or yeah, fall into winter. And, um, I don't know. I was just like trying to help look for resources and stuff because she was, she was exhausting everything. And it was so frustrating to me that there was nothing really out there for her. So, um, I had known this world record existed because, um, I read an article about it a couple years ago. I actually got to meet the, the former world record holder. She's a nurse in London. She's lovely. Um, she's very cool. And, um, so she had done it to raise money for like a cancer foundation. A couple of years ago, she ran a marathon, the London marathon in scrubs. Um, and so I was like, Oh, maybe I can do this and like try to find a foundation, raise money, um, for like healthcare workers, mental health. And so I started like looking for a foundation to donate to and I like couldn't find anything. Um, I was like Googling, I was like exhausting my resources at work, at school. And so that made me even more frustrated. I was like, (laughs) we have this issue and we have, there's nobody that wants to take my money. Like I was like, I feel like I'm going to raise some money. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to help. (laughs) I was like, who can I give my money to? Um, so that was that was also frustrating because I was like, nobody cares about this. <laughs> and so then I went on a little like, I was like, I need to make my own foundation. Um, but I don't have time for that right now. Maybe <laughs> one day. <laughs> um, so fortunately, the American Nurses Foundation came through and they have a wonderful well-being initiative, which um, basically offers free therapy, expressive writing sessions, um, They do like grief counseling, they have financial consulting, just a whole host of different, basically exactly what I was looking for. Um, And it's for nurses specifically, which is wonderful. I I wish it encapsulated all healthcare workers, um, but maybe that's what I'll do down the line. Um, (laughs) But they do have a wonderful initiative. So they were like, yeah, definitely let's partner up. Um, They connected me with Moxie Scrubs, who I partnered with. They're a startup scrub company out of Boston. They, um, they're made by nurses for nurses. They're super nurse centered. Um, so it was really cool to work with a brand that is so focused on like what we as nurses need. Um, so I ran in their scrubs, which were awesome. Every, but that's one of everybody's questions. Like how terrible was it to run in scrubs? And I'm like, it, it was actually awesome. <laughs> they're comfortable now. I'm like... They're super comfortable. <laughs> um, so 
I, I worked with them and, um, yeah, ran the Boston marathon, um, in Moxie scrubs on April 18th. It was a gorgeous day. Got lucky with the weather. Um, had a lot of people out there cheering, supporting who had heard my story and then a lot of friends and family. Um, and it went, it was really cool. I've, um, I was telling someone like a marathon had never gone by so fast for me before. (laughs) Normally I'm like, dying looking for the finish line but it was like I was like I want this to go on forever because <laughs> it was so fun and so many people just like out there being so kind um so it was it was great so uh, you have to tell people how fast you ran it because it blew my mind <laughs> um so I ran 24802 um the previous world record is 30822 I believe so I got it by quite a bit um I've run faster than that in a marathon before. Um, running is obviously my thing, but this was super special. I was just, I was trying to basically run as fast as I could and be as happy as I could. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I had tried to run a little faster, I would have been in the pain phase. Um, so yeah. um, it was really, really, really fun. I had a great day. That's amazing. I'm very proud of you. That's so Thank cool. Thank you. How has that recognition been like afterwards? Have nurses reached out to you and told you, obviously, they love your accomplishment, but have they said that it really helped them with mental health or what was that like? Yeah, I've gotten so many kind messages from nurses. Um, A lot of like nurses that work within my health system, which is my system is so big. So obviously, like I would never know any of the med search nurses, for instance, Um, but I've gotten like a lot of messages just from pen nurses, which is so cool. And then like so many nurses across the country as well um, that are just like, thank you so much for doing this. Like, this is exactly what we need. And I, you know, I think now people know that these resources exist too, if they want to use them, which is great. And then, um, yeah, just even running like on our river trail in Philadelphia, um, like I've had a few random people just be like, go nurses or like stuff like that. Just so, I don't know, things like that. I'm like, Oh my God, like people actually are seeing it. And, um, my high school just like had a little, I'm actually home at, in my hometown right now. My high school had a little ceremony for me, um, on Sunday and like tried to raise even more money. And, um, that's, I've, I've been in a city, so, you know, um, I feel like when we're in a city, you kind of see it even more like my parents live in the absolute middle of nowhere. So it hits a little differently here. And so even just like explaining, you know, what's going on, um, at like really like populated hospitals to people that live kind of out of it, um, where like COVID, you know, COVID like doesn't really exist. I think they have had like three cases in the last couple months, like in this area. So it's, um, you know, these people like don't even really know. Um, so it, it, that's been a journey too, just like explaining what really has been going on in other parts of the country and in the world. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what's going on in other parts of the world. Um, so yeah, it's, it's so special. And, um, I had one of my friends who's actually a PA, he works in like a family practice here. I hung out with him yesterday and he was like, did you ever imagine it would get like this? And I was like, not at all. (laughs) Um, so it's really cool. I hope that, you know, it continues to grow and people, um, the money is great. Like raising money for these resources are great, but it's more, I think about like helping people understand that 
this need exists and then the people that do need these resources, you know, they, they are available at least in some yeah. capacity. Yeah, that's huge. And that's what I was talking about yesterday as well with one of my coworkers is it's sad that I felt like what we were in a pandemic for almost two, three years. And it wasn't until this last year that I realized, oh, hey, our hospital offers like grieving counselors, all this, yeah. all these people and resources. I'm like, why yeah. do we not know this? It's like so hush hush. It's like, oh, we have a flyer on the elevator for you. I'm like, no, I like need someone to come to our floor and tell us, hey, I realize you've been through it. But yeah. it just seems like we're almost expected to just keep going. And it's like a pat on the back. Just be positive. Like, okay, but we're people. We're human. Yeah. And it's been really sweet because, like you said, I've actually had, you know, obviously my family has been supportive and my friends that aren't in the profession. But it's been nice that I, you know, even patients sometimes are like, how are you? You know, you guys have been working really hard. I appreciate all you're doing. And it's just obviously we don't do it for the gratitude, but it's really nice to hear it sometimes yeah yeah sometimes all you need is like a I'm, this must be so difficult thank you like yeah. just a recognition <laughs> that this is really hard and it's appreciated <laughs> exactly so what other things do you do for your mental health outside of running when you're feeling low or just blah <laughs> Ooh, um so moving in any capacity is like a very big thing for me even if it's not running just being outside like going for a walk, if that means like walking to the grocery store instead of driving, like that really helps me um, kind of just decompress, especially if I leave my phone at home. <laughs> so we were talking about earlier, I think sometimes I am such a victim of just like scrolling through TikTok for hours, which sometimes you need to, but <laughs> um, I think like for me, the best thing is like going to the gym and stretching or going for a walk without my phone or going for a run without my phone. I think sometimes we're like a little too connected to everybody. And especially being in a job where we are, you know, patient facing or people facing coworker facing all day. Um, I know I come home to my partner who he's been working remotely all day. So I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> and He <laughs> wants to talk to everybody. So I think, you know, half of the world right now is still remote. Um, and we need to like disconnect too um, at times. Yeah, that is true. It's interesting. I, I've always try. I realized this year and during all of this that it's not other people's fault that they don't understand what I'm going through because yeah. I, especially with, with my boyfriend, I was just having issues because he does art and everything. So he's completely different spectrum. And so I would I'm like try to understand. He's like, I'm not medical. I don't, I don't even have an ounce of like, I don't know what you're going through. But I was yeah. taking out all my frustration and just sadness and everything I was feeling just around him. And so I think communication, if anything, this whole thing has taught me not only to make boundaries, which I've talked about before in our podcast, healthy boundaries, <laughs> and just making sure that you are doing enough self-care to take care of yourself and then therefore take care of others. So what, no, no pressure with this one, but what is your next goal with all of this? <laughs> um, so I guess I have two, that's cheating. But um, next goal is I do want to start a new foundation. Um, this is like the first time I'm announcing this. So you're pretty <gasps> so <to> special. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know when or how that's going to look, Um but I think I'm going to move forward working with Moxie. Um, we have talked a lot about just our goals. Um, 
Alicia, who's the CEO, she has a lot of um, similar ideas to me. We're really excited. We were just kind of like going off chatting about um, all of the buzz we got from this. And um, we definitely want to keep the momentum rolling. Um, and I'm really excited to continue this work that we started, um, you know, laying the foundation of filling the gap between what us healthcare workers need and what's out there. So um have no idea what that's going to look like, but um, I'm finishing nurse practitioner school in December. And so my time frees up immensely after that. <laughs> um, so hoping to, yeah, move forward and continue the work that we started with this. Um, very exciting. And I then, love that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'll keep everybody posted. Um, and then I obviously have to have a running goal as well, which um, I um, will definitely continue wearing the Moxie scrubs, but in the office. So we'll put back on my competitive runner hat. And um, I the 2024 Olympic trials is something I've always wanted to run. Um, I qualified for the 2020 trials, but was hurt. So um, didn't get to run them and I'd really love to run the 2024 trials. So I'd, I'm going to try to run a fast marathon, I think about in a year from now, um, when all of the craziness dies down, I have a little That's, bit more time. To yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, we are definitely rooting for you over here at Operation Happy Nurse. And I am personally as well. Thank you. I could never, but <laughs> thank you <laughs> so much for joining us on this episode of Mental Health Matters with Operation Happy Nurse. And for our listeners, tune in for another one coming soon. I know for you, Sam, not only us here at Operation Happy Nurse, but other nurses really appreciate the advocacy and everything that you're doing when it comes to change and mental health and healthcare. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) If anyone wants to follow what Sam is up to, her Instagram is at Sam Recker. And again, it's R-O-E-C-K-E-R. She's also featured in many news articles. If you want to not be creepy, but look her up on Google (laughs) and her achievements. So our listeners, if you enjoy the podcast, feel free to leave us a nice review wherever you listen. And for any comments, questions, or critiques, head over to at OHN Happy Hour Podcast on Instagram or operationhappiness.org. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much. This was so fun. (laughs) Bye, everybody.